Thank you for joining us today on Tales of Nona Michigan's Past. I'm your host, Christopher Struble. And joining us again today is Roger Tallman to share more of his stories about his time as a composer, director, and producer over six decades in the musical industry. Let's just jump right back where we left off last time. You, so you can hear, you're, you're hearing this in your head, and you can put it on paper without an instrument in, in, in between. Yeah, as long as I figure out what the tonic is, you know, what the bass note is, what key I'm in. See, to and me, that's make, just, it's just make, so alien. Yeah, I mean, usually I just write, if it's, if it's something off the cuff, I'll write in C and then figure out what sounds better vocally. Or what sounds better if it's a French horn or orchestra thing? But my cousin does this. And I just, I just don't grasp yeah. it, man. I mean, I had other other guys that are really killer at orchestration that can embellish a piece that I write because I'll have an idea, and then, uh, you know, I I always defer to the guys that do this really, really, really well. But uh, you know, and it's a nice collaboration at that point because then you get the respect of somebody that may only be an arranger; they're not a composer. They're an arranger. They're looking at where you're going with your song and where the melodies are going, and they'll like to write counterpoints against that, and you know, bring ideas that you didn't think as a composer. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a pretty broad world out there, you know. When you when you really and songwriters do the same thing. You know, you can be a great singer, but you may not have the ability to write a great hook, and that's why Nashville is such a great hub for young and middle aged and old songwriters because if they got the talent to write a good hook. They're in, and then the production too. The producer, oh, yeah. you, know, you, you got a totally. you got a five chord, yeah, uh, acoustic song, and it can change. I mean, right. you, you, just the way you, you you arrange it and the yeah. production behind and, that. And just... some producers are, are you know they have one thing in mind, and other producers will listen to what the band's got, you know, what their ideas are. And I've been in those studios a lot when I owned my own studio and I saw what was going on with other groups. Producers can make or break. A song, yeah. You know, if they have their own ideas and that's not the band's idea, it can be a train wreck. Um, but you know, there, if if you get somebody that's really used to working with music and knows that there's always another way, then that's a good collaboration. I like I like uh, Jimmy Iovine. Is that his name? Jimmy Iovine. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, like that's the, the diverse songs he's been on. Oh yeah. I've been part of. I mean, Bruce Springsteen to. Uh, um, all the way up through modern yeah. 80s and and uh and of course now he's a billionaire with Dr. Dre yeah. and they've formed beats but uh the songs that he's well and the, the, the and just that whole production thing man he's he's got it down he knows Tom I mean, Petty Stevie Nicks I mean all yeah. those cats that he played with and, and you know that because you're a guitar player too I mean I worked with guys like Hugh McCracken who was the taste one of the tastiest guitar players that I ever had in the studio really great friend and smiling all the time and he he was one of the guys that was really in London at the time when the Beatles were started, and they, he played with them. Man. But he would come up with tasty stuff all the time. But that's that's the trick. Yeah. Any, anybody can sit down and play a flurry yeah. of notes. And there are several of those guys that I was fortunate to have available uh, in New York. And it's kind of a cool environment. When you, when you need a band in New York, all the musicians have the same answering service. And it's called My Girl. So you'd call up My Girl and say, hey, I got a session at 11. Can I get Hugh? Can I get... You know, whoever, and I want Alan Schwartzberg or Steve Gadd on drums, whoever's available. And they, they, they say, here's the schedule. I can book them or I can't book them. And you just walk in and you get whoever they have. And you know it's the cream of the crop. So there's no, no horror stories that, you know, you're going to have to tell later. That was a cool environment in New York. Yeah, and uh, um, NBC was such a such a big big venue for you, or, or big such a. Oh, yeah. uh, you know. it's a calling card. You know, I put it on my demo reel, 
And then people start pigeonholing you as a, oh yeah, Tallman only does sports music. So I told my rep, take all of my sports music off. I want a soda, I want a perfume, I want a hotel, I want a car, and I'm a, I'm, have my sports. But I need those other multi-products to be really successful. And we did that over about a year and a half period. And, uh, you know, I had Coke, Revlon, um, Cadillac as a car, NBC Sports, and I had Sheraton Hotels. And when you have that many things on air, your reps can call anybody, any part of the country. And they say, oh, yeah, what have you done? And then you start, you name a couple of things and people say, yeah, okay, I got, I have something that might be right for you guys. How about when you throw out the, the, the London Symphony? That uh, was fun. You, you, you conducted the... Yeah. I had a job um, to do golf music for uh, the Bob Hope Desert Classic and the Dinosaur Open. This is way back. God, this is going back. This is going back, man. My producer at NBC, um, Jeff Mason, killer guy, great producer, class act, took the Concord back and forth to London because he was working on the America's Cup, and he said... You know, I want to do these golf things, but I can't have them done in the United States because I'm going to be in London. So I'm going to hire a band for you in London, and I want you to come over and do the music. And you got to do it in three weeks. And I said, Jeff, what do you know about hiring a band? He said, well, they're called the London Symphony, so I think you'd be in good shape. <laughs> and they're supposed to be all right, so players. So I said, the only way I'm going to do that in three weeks is if you take my entire office and find me a place to live in London, and we'll do whatever you want to do. So he said, okay, and he rented an Arab Sheik's apartment, six bedrooms oh my God. in St. John Woods with a chef. And I took my engineer, Alan Myerson, my secretary, my production guy, Bob Burke, um, and uh, a couple ringer musicians, John, uh, John uh, Faddis, who was a killer trumpet player, and um, Another another fellow that uh, that was a copyist for us, and we were there for a week and produced everything that we wanted, and it, we produced stu- at the studio Britannia, and then we did some at Abbey Road. But Britannia, um, Tony uh, uh, Bennett was working in Studio B, and I'm in the middle of a, a, a take, and I see the back door in the big studio open, and it's Tony Bennett's head peeking in the door. <laughs> And I just cut the orchestra like, whoops, you know, cut everybody. And he's like, hey, what's going on in here? <laughs> and again, one of the hippest cats ever, ever just passed away. He was cool. Away. I said, yeah, come on in, Mr. Bennett. And he said, don't call me Tony, you know. This is cool. What are you doing? You know, we talked for about a minute, and then he went back to work. But He's he's one of my favorites. And you think about uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes. Uh, are we still on, Karen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just turned off. One of my favorite quotes for Tony is they said, don't you ever get – tired of singing the same songs he's like you ever get tired of making love man that's that's Tony (laughs) God rest his soul man yeah when I was at Britannia the the engineer played a trick on me with the the concert master um I was rehearsing the band and I had my rhythm section guys there and the owner of the chief engineer Britannia comes down the steps it's like one of those studios like Abbey Road where the control booth is up on floor three and they walk down a fire escape the and he starts yelling over the talk back to the concertmaster, hey, your, your violin's out of tune, you know? What's wrong with you? You're usually on. And the concertmaster's like, yeah, screw you, man. This is Stradivarius. Go to hell. And they're <laughs> arguing back and forth. And I'm like, oh, no, man, what's going on? And now he's marching down the fire escape, you know, zigzagging down the wall. 
It comes down and grabs the violin out of this guy's hands and breaks it over his knees. And I'm standing there like, what is going on? <laughs> and they look at me, and everybody that I brought is like flabbergasted, like totally silent. And all of a sudden, the whole orchestra starts laughing. It was a joke on me as the oh, new, guy, new guy. New guy, you know, young kid. And uh, that was kind of a nice bonding experience for all of us. Like, let's get back to work. Get your real <laughs> violin out here and, you know, go back, get it. But that was... That was my first experience in London. And then after that, we went back several times to, to work in different studios because um, it's also a place where some big clients at that time didn't want to pay residuals, but we would hire people in London and double scale them so that at least they got more and uh, we could do a short thing and play it all over the world and they didn't have to worry about paying you know everybody residuals for it. You know, these, these stories you're telling though, LA, New York, London, Abbey Road. I mean, but what a testament it is to Northern Michigan that you chose to come back here to relocate here. Um, what brought you back to Northern Michigan? Um, my summers here as a kid. I mean, I grew up here when I was I was born the year that my dad got his first job at Bayview. So every summer it was our go to, and uh, and then he passed away in 1962, and my mom still had a house, and she came here, and by that time. Um, you know, like in the into the seventies, that's when my career started to really take off. So I just picked and you know chose a couple of weeks, three weeks to come up here and steal away the you know my time in the summer, see old friends. So when I was in New York and my studio was uh, a popular place for people to work, uh, Clive Davis was one of our clients, and he ended up Clive buying, Davis. Buying, yeah, he he ended up buying my studio and gave me some time to uh, work with. Uh, Wyclef Sean to produce Alicia Keys because she loved my piano. So when my time was over there, I said to my wife, we got to pick some place to go or we're going to start over again in New York. And we just had a kid and I suggested, let's make a list of places we have friends. And right below Paris, for her because she traveled all over the world, was Petoskey. And she said, what's that place, Petoskey? And it was October and I said, let's go, I'll show you. And kind of stacked the deck bringing her up here when the trees were like in full yeah, color. Yeah. She said, yeah, this place is cool. So I'll give you four years up here. So we bought a place. And about six months later, she said, forget the four-year plan. This is this is a this great, is great place to raise a kid. So we've been here for 20, 20 years now. Uh, tell us about your, your production company now, uh, Creative Eye. So uh, I didn't really know what I was going to do when I transitioned, and I wanted to teach kids in my older years, even though I wasn't that old yet, but I wanted to pay back a little bit. So I tried to buy the old movie theater in town when I first got up here because Mrs. Daw was building the multiplex outside of town. Yeah. And I thought it would be a perfect venue because it was all wired, each room, that I could open up a video and film or, and music studio and have kids that were in high school come and intern and learn the business. You know, how to be an engineer, how to be a musician, and what microphones to use, and what video stuff was going on. Because in New York, I opened up a film division of my company because uh, I knew that that was a good good kind of backup to the music thing, to have cameras were available. And we'd get a group in the studio in New York and take them out for a cab ride and shoot their music video because MTV was just starting up. So we started a film company, and then... When I moved up here, I thought, well, I know that stuff. I'm going to just give back. Well, one thing led to another, and the, that opportunity didn't happen. And uh, That's the hole in the ground. Yeah. 
and I started uh, I started thinking about the future, and I opened up a, a small ad company, thinking I know about advertising, and I had the opportunity to pitch a casino, Little River Casino, and I was the only guy who pitched the account that wrote a jingle. They had just built a hotel and built an entertainment center, and I wrote a jingle called More Fun Than Ever. And I played it for the board of directors as one of the five agency picks to present to them. And when I was walking out in the parking lot, the general manager came running out and said, you know, you're the only person who came here with an idea. Everybody else trashed what we were doing, told us we sucked, uh, and you liked me, told them I was a great person on camera, and all they needed was a campaign, more fun than ever. And when you left, everybody listened to the jingle again and said, go get that kid. And he got me in the parking lot and said, you got this account. So 13 years later, I still had the account. They'd taken that that uh, casino from a fledgling new casino to one really popular uh, destination for a lot of people. There's a Manistee. huge power to, the, to, 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 to a jingle. Oh, man. When I would drop my kid off at, at school, people knew the song because it was on the air all the time. And it was more fun than ever. And I hired a bunch of kids or people in Potosi like Pete Kehoe and, and uh, yeah. Michelle and uh, Brian, uh, who used to sing with a big group. I can't remember his last name. I'm sorry about that. But one of my uh, killer like beer voices. And we put a group together, went out to the studio and recorded More Fun Than Ever. And everybody's like, yeah, this is cool, the jingle. And I did it just like we did in New York. Get as many people on mic as possible and sing the crap out of it. Doing so, the, the wall of sound. Yeah. So it was cool. And, Pete's uh, on that jingle? Huh? Pete Kehoe's on that jingle? Yeah. He's part of the group. Yeah, Pete's been in, in the studio here. He's one of my... my oh, yeah. Great guy. Good I mean, friend. Great, and, great uh, musician. Noted there's so much talent in Northern Michigan. That's people it. don't realize, you know, what is here. And if you're a restaurateur or someplace that wants to get regular customers to come back, a lot of you don't know that having music is a draw. It's a, it's what makes people come to your place of business. I literally remember jingles from the, the 60s, the 70s, like yeah. when I was just a kid. I mean, they, if it's a good jingle, it'll stick. I dropped my kids off at school when they went to Concord, and. The kids in the school were like, hey, Mr. Tallman, more fun than ever. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's how I got, you know, going up here. And the advertising thing has been really good because um, we, we try to help build businesses strategically and do it uh, in a, a nice, you know, strong way for a client because clients are busy running their businesses. And we try to get inside their heads about what their real goal is and try to make them spend the money in the right way and uh, advertise with the right places. And, well, you definitely uh, got the experience, man. Yeah, so I worked with a lot of really smart people over my my careers in New York and wherever I was. Um, every time, Roger, every time we we, we we meet, and it's like it's like this whole other all these other stories come out that uh, just fascinating I got as a more. musician. I, I love got more, but you don't have the time. <laughs> Well, Roger, always as, as always, thanks for uh, the discussion and sharing some of your, your your knowledge and stories over the. I mean, your career has spanned now what six decades. I hate to, to date you, but uh, yeah, I started pretty young. You started really yeah, young, and uh, I'm proud that uh, I'm still going at it. Uh, I tell my friends that want to retire, if you're going to retire, don't sit on the couch. Keep and, moving. And that's exactly right. You can't. You can't. Yeah. You can't slow down, man. And yeah. uh, and here you are back where your music career kind of started blossoming, really, you know, Bayview. And, right. And now I'm working with the Great Lakes Chamber Orchestra. Yeah. Uh, they have an amazing conductor, Libor Andres, who's like uh, 
their maestro and brings material to this community that is world class that you you would see in New York, Paris, uh, London, uh, and well performed by a bunch of really talented musicians that you know come together and rehearse and put on a great show. So that's fun for me. I just got on the board of directors with them, and I'm doing marketing and uh, trying to uh, expand the horizons of the orchestra so that more people. Basically, my job is to put butts in seats, and uh, they have a concert coming up September 23rd, the 23rd this year, that's at the Great Lake Center for the Arts. That's all women composers, uh, some alive, some past, but killer work, and Libor is a phenomenal leader to that that group. So if you're not familiar with them, go and check out one of the concerts. Well, when we first moved to town, we opened up our jewelry store, Arlington Jewelers, in um, the same building that housed uh, uh, the director for the Great Lakes Chamber Orchestra. So we've been affiliated with them, supported them for years. Yeah. And every Christmas time, we have this famous open house, Christmas open house, and I always bring at least three or four members to come in and, and, and jam on our stage for, oh, for yeah. Christmas become kind of an institution in our store now. Yeah. Like John Van Patten and, and a great band violinist here in town. Um, yeah, we got some world-class players in all oh, yeah. genres of the music music scene up here. And one thing about musicians, you know, they, when they, they have a career and they've learned the instrument that they're playing, you just don't go and retire. No. You know, you have to keep playing. A lot of them, a lot of them teach, but a lot of them just join other groups and uh, one of the guys that worked for me in New York as a trombone player moved to Colorado. He has a society band. He's like 85, and they play all over the place. They'll drive 200 miles to play a gig at a country club, and they, they're they laughing and having a blast and are well taken care of and well paid, and uh, it keeps you vibrant. Well, it keeps our brains active, too. Yeah. You know, being a yeah. musician, and, and you can start you can start at 60 years old. They say it's I, one of the yeah. best ways to defend off uh, dementia. Right. But, uh, but yeah, that's the thing about musicians and jewelers, man. We work right up to the day we die. Grover right. Washington Jr. Yeah. walked I, off stage and dies. You know, my dad, uh, as a musician, used to tell me, he said, no matter what you do, do what you love, the money will come. That's been my credo yeah. for, for, for forever. And I told my kid that. And um, kids that go to college may go for, like I did, for one reason and end up doing something else. We um, should get the education, though. Yeah. At least, you, at least you get a, a taste. It's like when you're eating a fine, uh, somebody makes a great dinner for you, or you go to a restaurant and they serve something. There's a lot on your plate. You might like something and not like other things, but then you learn. You know, next time you go, you say, no, hold the onions or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Roger, again, thanks for joining us, man. It's thanks, just, man. It's just always, it's just a, it's just a treat always. I, I get a chance to talk to you. Um, yeah, it's fun to be here. Thanks for joining us on Tales of Northern Michigan's Past. I'm your host, Christopher Struble. Uh, please join us the next time. And again, special thanks to Roger Tallman. Again, if always, as, as always, if you're interested in hearing about a specific topic or you'd like to be a guest on our show, just contact us via Facebook. And we look forward to our next episode.